So this morning, after we conclude this service, we will have made our way halfway through the Ten Commandments. We've been studying the Ten Commandments now for seven weeks, and we've made it over these seven weeks to commandment number five, and that was because we did an intro to the Ten Commandments, week one, and then we took a week to look at the teaching of Jesus on the Ten Commandments and how he summarized them as love God and love your neighbor. And so we find ourselves in a transition point in our study through the Ten Commandments, and I want us to just briefly make sure we understand why we're studying this passage of Scripture. When we study this Scripture, it's helping us value and think about our world rightly. One of the more helpful ways to think about this concept is shopping in a store. Have you ever gone shopping in a store and you've looked at the price tag and said, oh my, this is way overpriced. They got to be kidding me. Have you ever had the opposite experience where you looked at something and said, ha, huh, this is almost free. My wife was at Target one time. She found an uh, outfit for our daughter for one penny. She was like, it's basically free. Like, might as well just here. It was so underpriced. And then she went to the register and they said, you're right, it's for one penny. I don't think that was on purpose. That was an accident, but that's the price. So they charged her a penny and she got the outfit. Probably the best deal she's ever gotten at Target. So either way, you could see things that are overpriced or things that are underpriced. But all along, as you're looking at those price tags, you're making judgments, value judgments. Is it worth this? You see, I want you to think about the whole world as one big Shopping mall in that sense, just for the sake of the illustration. And I want you to realize that as you go around your life, you're making judgments on whether you think things are worth it or not, and you're looking at the price tags. What you don't realize is that sometimes the price tags, they've been lying to you for a long time and you don't realize it. The worlds, the ways of this world, Satan, our sinful flesh has made us overvalue some things and pay way too much for them, and other times devalue other things. And we don't realize that the price is actually much more expensive. So when we come to the Ten Commandments, as we look at the world around us, and we use these Ten Commandments as a summary guide for how we can look at the world, it'll helpfully teach us, no, that's way overpriced. And these things need their value to go up a whole lot more. So let's turn to the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, I'm going to read all ten of them. Hopefully by now, for those of you that have been coming week after week, you will have started to get the repetition and practice. And at least know the first four. But I'm going to read all ten commandments from Exodus chapter 20, page 61, Follow along with me, if you would, in your Bibles. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. 
You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is in your neighbor's. This morning as we look at verse 12, honor your father and your mother. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I want us to consider this message into two halves. Two halves. First, some of us, when we look at our parents, mothers and fathers, we have devalued them. They are too low in the world's estimation. The, The price tag is cheap. It's a penny. And I'd like to raise the price, the value of parents, the honor of parents. That's the first half of this message. We'll spend most of our time on that. The second half of this message, some of us maybe too value our parents. And these are the two errors I think any of us could be in. We're either on one extreme or the other where we devalue our parents, make too little of them, don't respect them, don't honor them, or they're everything. And they need to be brought down to their proper place. So, reasons for us to raise the value of our parents. Do you think it's an accurate description, this following quote? Youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for elders, They talk nonsense when they should be working. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents. They talk too much in company. They guzzle their food away. They lay their legs on the table and they tyrannize their elders. Do you think that's an accurate description of youth today? Would you be surprised if I told you that was written by Socrates 400 years before Jesus? So apparently this is not a new issue. The cover of one teen magazine asked girls right on it, do you really hate your parents? Answer, like who doesn't? (laughs) The magazine proceeds to offer advice on how to deal with detestable parents. That's the world we live in, right? Whether it's Socrates' day 400 years before Jesus or whether it's the 21st century of 2017. The great need of the hour, I think, is for most of us in this room to consider this first point, that we need to honor our parents and raise the value 
higher. Realize that we've been fed a bunch of lies. We've had the price tags switched on us. Many of us don't think our parents know what they're talking about. We don't listen to them. Many of us know quite well that our parents, all of them, are sinners. And so they have let us down. They have abused us, abandoned us, been too judgmental. They're hard to forgive. We become bitter. And so we devalue our parents. But did you look at this command and see any ages listed? Did you see any qualifications? Are some of you thinking that this is not for you? It's for the children. Go teach that in the children's class, Pastor Phil. I want to give you three reasons why you should raise the value of parents because of this commandment. First, I want us to consider the location of where this command is in the Ten Commandments. Second, I want us to consider the weightiness of this command. And thirdly, I want us to consider the promise attached to it. So all of these comments are to help raise our view and value of parents. And first, let's look at its location. Where is this command located? Well, it's the fifth commandment, you see. But many people have suggested, and I would agree with those many people, including, I think, Jesus, when we heard Kenny teach on this earlier in our series. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Answer, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I believe Jesus was summarizing all the past four sermons on the first four commandments. They're very Godward. Have you thought about it this way before? No other gods before me, commandment number one. No other idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All of these four commands seem to be primarily focused on our relationship with God. Here, the fifth commandment is a transitional hinge turning point command because Jesus keeps talking and he says, and the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when you look at these final six commandments, notice all of them seem to do with neighbors, with, with horizontal relationships, not vertical relationships to God. So, honor your father and mother. Don't murder human beings. Don't commit adultery. Do not steal. Don't bear false witness. And don't covet. See, that's our social interactions here on this earth. So Jesus seems to summarize that the Ten Commandments, or all of God's law, that is, can be summarized in two halves. Love God, love your neighbor. So it seems that this second section of the Ten Commandments is beginning here with this fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. And it's the first of this next section about honoring and doing love and caring for our neighbor. I think that that's one important thing for you to understand and maybe even ask, why is this command the crucial, shifting, turning point of the Ten Commandments? Why is this one the hinge? Why isn't murder more important? You all read the news yesterday? London murders? That seems like the worst thing in the world right now, doesn't it? The greatest tragedies, terrorist attacks, murders. 
So why isn't it when we get to the second half of the Ten Commandments, we don't see that that's the first one? Could it be because, as St. Augustine said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? Let me read that again. If anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? If you don't respect your first hospital, your first school, your first government, your first church, your first and most foundational relationship, your mom and your dad, then why would you respect anyone else? You see, failure to have respect and Submit to authority is why murder and adultery and stealing, all of these other commandments happen. This is a foundational commandment of the second half of the Ten Commandments. Those who dishonor their parents will dishonor their government. They will dishonor people in authority and they will ultimately dishonor God, which is one of the more important things for us to make sure we understand. This commandment, I think unlike the other ones, has a connection to the authority of God because God gave parents to represent him. And so when you choose to disrespect and dishonor your parents, you're really slapping God in his face. This is why 1 Peter chapter 2 can say that we should be subject to every human institution, whether it is the emperor as supreme or governor sent to punish those who do evil. For this is God's will, that by doing good we put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as servants of God. So therefore, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Do you realize when Peter wrote this, the emperor was one of the worst emperors that ever existed, that killed Christians? Honor the emperor. See, this commandment is, broadly speaking, talking about respect of authority that's taught all through the Bible. And if you don't first respect your parents, then why would you respect anyone else? So its position, its location as the first of this second section is extremely vital for you to understand its weightiness, its importance. When you dishonor your parents, you're dishonoring God. And it doesn't matter how good or bad your parents are. You still have to Pay them their respect and honor them. No qualifications. So consider its location. That's the first reason. I think that that would help us raise the price, the value of our parents. Secondly, consider its weight. This, this is, I think, the most central thing. We'll spend the most time on this subpoint: The weight of this command. Now, the reason I use that word is I want you to look back again at the way it's described. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land your God is giving you. Notice it doesn't say obey your, your, your mother and your father. It says honor them. Some of you are here and you are adults. Your parents are still alive, but you're out of their household, you've been married, this commandment still applies to you. Some of you are here and your parents have passed away. Have you ever heard people talk about your mom, your dad would be so ashamed? There's a sense to which you can always live in a way that would honor your mom and dad no matter 
where they are, where you're at in positions of life. Now, children in particular should probably see this as primarily obedience. When we see the parallel passage in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6, that Sybil read for us earlier in the service, it says, children, speaking specifically of those probably in the household, children, obey your parents. And then he attaches that command with this commandment in the Ten Commandments. For it was the first commandment with a promise, Paul says. So, honor, though, is what is originally commanded, and it may look differently if you're a child in the home, you're a young married just outside of the home, or your parents are aging or have already passed away. The word here is honor. So I want to teach you this word. It means weight. It means heavy. The Hebrew word is kavod. So if you want to write that down, K-A-V-O-D, kavod. It literally means to be heavy. So let's say something is like a big rock and it's really heavy and I can't pick it up by myself. I need somebody else. Like that's the sort of word this is. Heavy, your father and your mother. They're to be weighty. It's like being in the 60s or 70s and the famous slang phrase, would whoa, dude, that's heavy. You know, that, That's the sort of idea here. Your parents are weighty because of the position that God has given them over you. So the Bible uses this word kavod to talk about the glory of God. Maybe some of you have even heard this before. So Psalm 86, 9, all the nations you have made and worship before you, O Lord, shall kavod your name, shall glorify your name, shall make your name heavy. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all of my heart. I kavod your name forever. That's Psalm 86, 12. So what we see in this word is that God is the ultimate kavod. He is the heaviest, the most weighty thing in all of the universe. And God delegates authority to parents for them to be weighty. If it's not connecting yet, I want you to imagine this pulpit versus my fist. Who do you think is going to win? Like I start using the force, the weight of my fist on the pulpit. I think my knuckles are going to get bloodier before this thing gets dented. I mean, I might look really big and strong, but I'm not that big. I think this is going to win, and I don't want to illustrate that for you all. Now, let's say I go to the backstage and I pull out a sledgehammer. What's, what's, what's heavier? Do you, do you see the illustration here? When something is heavier and it comes down on something, it's like, well, it changes things. My fist doesn't put enough force on it, so eh, it just kind of stays the same. The sledgehammer, it changes things. And so it should be with our parents. When the parents come into the room, they're not like the fist where it's like, "Eh, Mom, Dad, I'll just take it or leave it. I don't change. I don't really consider it. I don't really think much about it. No, your parents are like the sledgehammer. And when they come into your life and God's given you this authority, it is a weight that should change. Okay, let me pause. Let me stop. Let me think. Let me respect what's going on with my parents. You don't just treat it like it's just anything else, just flies off one 
in one ear and out the other? Martin Luther said of this in his catechism on the Ten Commandments, the one whom we honor from the heart we must regard as high and great. They must be held in distinction and esteem above all things, the most precious treasure on the earth. That's what I'm trying to communicate. Raise the price of parents, the most precious treasure on the earth, Luther says. He continues and says, these words in the fifth commandment are easy words. Everybody thinks that they already know them. Therefore, men and women just pass by them and treat them lightly. They look at other matters and they do not see and believe that what God has given us is important and serious. And greatly is he offended if we disregard these words. Nor that the one who does a work so well-pleasing and precious if he follows these words. The greatest treasure on earth, Luther Maybe that's too high, but for many of us, I think it helps raise the price a little bit. We think that we know these words. We think that, oh yeah, honor your mother, okay, yeah. Exodus chapter 21, verse 17, turn your Bibles, it's just one page over. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Is that starting to make it feel a little heavier? Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Leviticus 19.3 says, Every one of you shall revere your mother and father, for I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20 verse 9, If anyone curses his father and mother, they shall be put to death. And then our Old Testament scripture reading that Colin read for us earlier in the service. Did any of you follow along with that? Deuteronomy chapter 21 If a man has a stubborn or rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, he will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take the hold of him, bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate, where the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of the city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. You shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, in case some parents are thinking, oh, that looks interesting. This is the law of a a nation. This is the constitution of a people, the people of Israel. We are American citizens, most of us in this room, or visitors, and we submit ourselves to the constitution of the United States of America, but ultimately we submit ourselves to God and his law, and this law I don't believe should be enacted and obeyed to its detail. And I hope you would agree with me that none of you should be taking stones and stoning your children for disobedience. But notice that they do bring them out to the rest of the community. Parents just don't decide one day, well, I'm just sick and tired of these children, rocks, and start throwing rocks at them. The entire community is to weigh in on the matter and they're to agree with the parents. Yes, these children do not respect mom and dad. And if they don't respect mom and dad, they are going to be disrespectful to everybody. I think it's sometimes one of these commands that we just, oh yeah, obey mom and dad. Honor them. But there's a weight to this. There's a seriousness to this command. 
In the New Testament, I think the seriousness is spoken of when you see this command of obedience to parents in the list of things that you and I would think are awful, terrible things. So, for example, in Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking about all of the evil in the world, and he says, people are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, murderers, they're malicious, deceitful, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Are you getting the list? Yeah, that sounds pretty bad. And then tucked right in there, by the way, is, and disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I don't think it should surprise us if we understand the flow of the Bible's teaching that disobedience to parents is a mark of a godless, wicked, evil generation. It's one of the first signs that a child is going to grow up and just continue to live in rebellion to everyone else. Jesus himself, when we get to the teachings of Jesus, affirms the weightiness of this commandment and rebukes the Pharisees. You can read about this in Matthew chapter 15. The Pharisees started taking the money that they should have been giving to support their elderly parents. And instead saying, well, I've got an idea. How about we act real spiritual and dedicate that money to God and then just, you know, use it however we want. So Jesus tells them, God commanded you to honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles the father or mother should surely be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you have gained from me is given to God. And that's what I was talking about, dedicating something to God. Well, I don't need to honor my father. I don't need to take care of my aging father. So then for the sake of your tradition, Jesus says, you have made void the word of God. You are a bunch of hypocrites. And this is why Isaiah prophesied, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus himself affirms the weightiness and repeats the fifth commandment and even attaches the judgment of death to those who disobey. In John chapter 19, Jesus shows us his example of as he's dying on the cross, one of the seven words he says, he tells John, behold your mother. And he tells Mary, Mary, behold your son. Most commentators say that as Jesus is dying on the cross, one of his few words that he speaks is to care for his aging mother by making sure that John cares for her. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul's going to instruct Christians that if you neglect caring for your elderly parents, then you are worse than a non-Christian. So write that down if you need to. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 8, that we should honor the widows. We should take care of them. We as a church, if no one else is going to take care of widows, then we have the responsibility to care for widows. But if you're a child, so this goes for many of you that have maybe older folks, older parents, it is your primary responsibility as a child and you and your siblings to work together to care for your parents. Many people have questioned, well, does that mean we should never put them in nursing homes? And I don't necessarily think that's what any of these commands are saying. There's probably a lot of times where that's the wisest and best thing to do to get good care for your parents. But if any of you know anything about nursing homes, you know they are abused. Go visit one sometime and ask the people, how often do people come visit their parents? And you'll get the sad reality, almost never. 
They just are dropped off. You take care of them. 1 Timothy 5, 8. If anyone does not provide for his family, especially for his own household, he has denied his faith. He is worse than an unbeliever. This commandment is not flippant. We need to raise the stakes, the prices, the value of it. And the last way we can see that is through the promise. Look back again at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. We've seen that its location as the first of the second half of the commandments, the vertical, I mean the horizontal commands, that it's got a prominence. We see that it's honoring and it's kavod, it has a weightiness to it. And finally, we're going to see that it has a promise attached to it. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, when the Ten Commandments are given again, it says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that your Lord is giving you. And that's exactly what I referenced earlier in Ephesians 6 that we read in the service, that it may go well with you and you will enjoy a long life. So what does this mean? Does this mean that everybody that honors their parents will live into their 90s? I don't think so. But I don't think we should just say it's a principle. Paul calls it a promise. One thing we do know for sure that in Israel, if you disobeyed this command, you would die. And so your life would be pretty short, you see? Also, you should realize that it says, you'll live long in the land. This is a promise about descendants of children living long in the land and that Israel as a nation is about to inherit a promised land. And this is the way to live. And if they live this way, God will allow them to have blessing and long life in that land. And when you read the rest of the Old Testament story, you find out that Israel did not do so good at keeping the fifth commandment. And so therefore, they did not receive the promise. Exodus, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 7 says that because you have treated your father and mother with contempt, I will scatter you among the nations and disperse you among the countries. You're not going to live in the land anymore. Israel, you disobeyed this command to honor your father and mother, and so therefore you are going to be exiled from the land. You're going to receive judgment instead of blessing, not long life in the land and so we should see from this promise the seriousness of God's commands. We should see the weightiness of it. And that God promises that his people will live long. And Paul mentions that in Ephesians 6. And so I, I think that there's a tension here. I don't think that we should make it an individual promise, but rather a corporate one. So all of these comments have been trying to help you raise the prices and the value of the fifth commandment, your parents. Are you seeing its primary location, its prime of place in the Ten Commandments? It's before murder. Are you seeing that the, the essence of the command is to realize that parents are weighty? And are you seeing that God makes promises that if you break those commands... He's going to exile the nation of Israel. The last few comments I want to make is the second half of this message. As we close, I want us to consider how some of us maybe have made our parents a little too much. They're everything, and they shouldn't be. 
So let's consider again the location and the weight and the promise. This command is command number five, not command number one. It comes after four commands that are all about God because God should be first in your life, not your parents. Obeying God is more important than obeying men. Acts chapter 5 makes this clear in verses 28 and 29. In Acts chapter 5, there's a story of followers of Jesus right after Jesus died, buried, rose again, ascended into heaven, and then the ministry of the church begins. And Roman government officials and all kinds of Jewish leaders do not want this teaching of Jesus to go on. So they tell them to stop preaching. They respond, we must obey God rather than men. It's pretty simple and straightforward, isn't it? We all must obey God first before we obey our parents. So let's think that out practically. You can honor your parents and still disobey them. You can listen to their advice about who you should marry, but you are not required to obey them if they tell you to marry somebody just because they're wealthy. Some of our parents have the wrong value systems. The price tags are all messed up in their mind. You shouldn't marry someone just because of their wealth or their education or their job or some sort of security. And if your parents are pushing you towards someone, what if they're not a Christian? If you're a Christian here today and you believe in Jesus, you're required to marry, as 1 Corinthians 7 says, in the Lord. And if your parents are encouraging you to marry someone that's not clearly a Christian, you should not marry them and you should disobey your parents. And be like, I, I just can't, I gotta honor my parents. No, we must obey God rather than men. It's not the first commandment, it's the fifth. Some of you might have parents that tell you you should not join a church or get baptized. Some of us might have parents that are from different religious backgrounds, and so for you to join this church would be like disowning and dishonoring your family from their mind. Let me tell you loud and clear from the Bible that you should obey Jesus first. He says, if you want to follow me, be baptized. Join the church. So you should disobey your parents in some occasions, and that's why the command is not Obey your father and mother at all times and at all ages, no matter what. It's honor your father and mother. And you can honor them. You can listen to them. You can hear them out. You can explain to them why you're joining a church, why you won't marry this person. But at the end of the day, you should not obey them. Secondly, we should see that there is a greater weight to the glory of Jesus than our parents. Our parents do have a sense of significance and heaviness and weight and but it pales in comparison. Our parents' weight, their heaviness, their authority only comes because God gave them that authority. And so when we come to the teachings of Jesus, he not only affirms the fifth commandment, he revolutionizes it. In Luke chapter 12, he talks about a greater authority that we should give to Jesus. He says, do you think that I have come to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, I have come to bring division. From now on, there will be one house that's divided against another. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now some of you are like, yeah, I can see why mother-in-laws and kids would not get along. But how is it that Matthew 15 says, honor 
the word of God. Honor your parents. You hypocrites for not honoring your parents. And then in Luke chapter 12, we have Jesus saying, by the way, when I have come to this earth, I've come to bring division in families. Do these make sense? And it's really not that difficult. He's simply saying total allegiance comes first and foremost to God through Jesus Christ. You cannot say that I will not obey Jesus because I must obey my parents. You always obey Jesus over your parents. And that's what he's saying. Some parents will end up having division in their household because some children want to obey Jesus and follow him. And so that's why he says in Luke chapter 14, if anyone comes to me and he does not hate his own father and his mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, you cannot be my disciple. Does your love for God look so incredibly more supreme to God that your relationship with your parents could be described as almost hatred or it would feel that way to them? What, did you hate me, son, daughter? No, I don't hate you. I just love Jesus more. Do you see the greater weight then that is given to Jesus Christ in the story of the Bible? He is ultimate authority. So we are supposed to see our parents as like training wheels to teach us how to obey authority so that eventually you learn that your ultimate allegiance is to Jesus, the ultimate authority. And when Jesus came, he came not just to divide families, but to make a new one. You know that passage I referenced earlier where you're called an unbeliever if you don't care for your aging parents in 1 Timothy chapter 5? That chapter begins this way. Do not rebuke older men in the church, but encourage them as you would your own father. Younger men you should treat as brothers, older women as your mother, younger women as your sister. Do you see what Paul is understanding that when Jesus came, he has established a new family where first and total allegiance should be aligned to? So therefore, any of you that are going to lose your mother or your father because you decide to get baptized or follow Jesus or because you decide not to marry someone that they are encouraging you to, Jesus is telling you you're going to get a whole new family. And it's the family that he purchased with his own blood. And so the church, I think we should make sure we're careful to not overvalue parents and children and families and make Embassy church is just a church of families, and all we care about is family, family, family. No, no, we are God's family. We're not just a collection of families, and we're only geared toward helping parents and families and all our programming and thoughts are toward them. Well, what about widows? What about singles? This church should be completely inclusive of all of those different people in their stages of life because we are a family. God is our father. We are his children, and Jesus is our brother. And so this should radically change the way we do life together, the way we do church together. And I hope that for some of us, we do not overvalue, overemphasize, oh, family's everything, parents are everything. No, they're not. They're really, really important. Let's raise the stakes a little bit since they're devalued in our society. But don't swing the pendulum so far on the other end that now family is everything. The family that matters is the one that lasts forever, which brings us to our final point, the promise. 
when we consider that this promise in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, will not be fulfilled because of sinners here on this earth, then the only solution is that it can be fulfilled through Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and institution of a new family that will live long in the land that God is giving us. That land is called the new heavens and the new earth. No matter how well you do at trying to obey this command, no matter how blessed God blesses you because you honor your father and mother, all of you will die. All of you will have your life cut short. All people have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and disobeyed their parents, dishonored their parents to some degree or another. Jesus, however, perfectly honored his father. He says in John, John's gospel, I don't do anything except by the authority that the father has given me. Jesus is the only one exception out of all humans that have ever walked this earth that perfectly obeyed his father And he did it even to the point of death. Do you remember him in the garden? Do you remember when Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done? Do you remember when he was then forsaken by the Father and stopped calling him Father and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, there's one person in the entire earth that has ever fully obeyed this command. His name is Jesus. But here's the ironic thing. He's the only person whose life truly got cut short. The age of around 33, tradition says, Jesus was sentenced to death, a death that he did not deserve. Do you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 21, when Colin read for us, there were two little sections there. It said, a rebellious son should be taken out to the gate. He should be tried. And if he's found guilty, he should be stoned to death. The next section said, if anybody is committed a crime that is punishable by death, they should be taken outside of the gate. They should be hung on a tree. And cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Do you see Deuteronomy chapter 21? That you, me, all of us, all of Israel, they were given this command to honor their father and mother, and all of them disobeyed and the penalty for our disobedience is, in fact, death. But praise be to God that Jesus died that death, the innocent one, in our place. He became sin who knew no sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. Do you realize that because of the death of Jesus, you and I can become children of God instead of being estranged from God? And because of Jesus' death on a cross... The most important family is not our blood relatives, but those relatives that have been bought by the blood of Jesus, those of you that are in this room. And now this this promise, this promise of living in the land that the Lord is giving you for a long time, it's fully and finally fulfilled when Christ returns and he restores the new heaven and the new earth and establishes his forever family and we live there for forever. That was God's original intention, that we would live forever with him. But because of our disobedient, rebellious nature, we've been separated from God. And until Christ, our destiny was only death. 
So let's celebrate the goodness of Jesus, his death for us, his blood shed for us, and that because he, being the faithful son, this promise can be a literal promise that you and I can live long in the land. Not this land. This land made new through the blood, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we want to give you great thanks this morning for Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for his blood shed for us. We want to thank you that God is our Father. And that regardless of where we're at today with our fathers, whether we have good relationships or bad ones, we want to thank you that you have provided forgiveness for us and therefore have provided a means for us to forgive our mothers and fathers. We want to thank you that you have given us a way to obey this command, the strength, the courage. We want to thank you, God, that Jesus obeyed it fully in the ways that we never could. So we're asking now that as we continue on in worship, God, that you would help us to be grateful and thankful for all that you've done for us in the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.